Welcome to Public Podcast 301 with your hosts Ben Maffa and Scott Thompson. Today we'll be discussing the economic implications of immigration on public school systems and overall social welfare. Specifically, analysis will be conducted as to the benefits and costs that educating documented and undocumented immigrants has to society and how they affect the choices of native students when it comes to education. Uh, furthermore, we'll be looking at the negative and positive externalities of immigration on society in general and other costs it may pose. All right, let's get right into it then. So if you have been following the news, President Trump tweeted about sending immigrant families specifically to sanctuary cities, which is relevant to an ongoing economic discussion as to the compounding costs in localities with high immigrant populations. This is especially noteworthy for education, where a significant proportion of funding comes from regional school districts. Thus, a policy such as the one Trump proposes could have profound effects on the quality of education in numerous areas. Uh, so getting into some data, according to findings published in the Southern Economic Journal, in terms of education, an increase in immigrants in public schools tend to, tends to lead to a higher enrollment of natives in private schools. Connected to that, in an article by Julian Betts published in the Journal of Public Economies, he quotes that for every four immigrants who arrive in public high schools, it is estimated that one native student switches to a private school. White students tend to account for most of this flight. So what are some of the possible reasons that this could occur, Scott? There are numerous factors that contribute to educational decisions. The data seems to indicate a few main reasons for this for the switch to private schools by Native students. Racial, racial prejudice and the resulting segregation seems to play a role in these statistics. When children are younger and people are traditionally buying their family homes, flight, seems, flight to different regions is more prevalent than when students are older. This explains why why the trend towards private schools is more common for high schoolers when housing for most families is generally settled. Uh, speaking to the non-racial prejudice hypothesis, uh, with there being a 14% increase in the number of immigrant children who did not speak English at home in 2015, according to the Center of Immigration Studies, a strain on teacher resources resulting from educating uh, English as a second language learners is high and can diminish the educational quality of, nat of native students. Considering the large amount of funding that comes from local property taxes, Native flight from high immigrant areas results in less taxes going to fund public schools in that area. One expert who works with immigrant outreach in Boston, who spoke on the condition of anonymity due to the sensitive political climate, discussed excess costs associated with educating English language learner students. Typically, states spend 25% more to educate English language learners than students for whom English was their primary language. This varies largely by state, with Texas only spending 5% more for English language learner education. Therefore, with English language learner le uh, education learners, uh, having a higher cost of education, and as of 2015, according to the Center for Immigration Studies, 28% of public school students from immigrant households lived in poverty and accounted for 30% of all students living below the poverty line, public resources are definitely strained in areas with a high share of immigrant students. This expert, in addition, explained how funding systems could affect education quality. Federal dollars account for, on average, 10% of school funding, with states and localities splitting evenly the other 90% of funding. With 45% of funding being supplied by local, by local institutions, the potential flight of high-income individuals has the potential of causing significant hindrances to providing high-quality education. With all this being said, it's not unreasonable to say that higher taxes may be imposed to supplement the large amount of immigrants obtaining welfare benefits. And let's not forget the non-monetary costs that immigrants incur as a result of uh, native flight as well. 
In their efforts to assimilate according to the Southern Economic Journal, immigrants may suffer from a reduced peer effect in the, absent of, in the absence of native English speakers. So we've discussed some of the costs that result from educating immigrant children. We've touched on the fiscal costs, with there being a higher cost to educating English language learners, of which immigrants are a greater share, and of immigrant students obtaining more education-based welfare benefits, as well as native flight, which results in higher costs to natives. We've also touched on the non-fiscal costs, or negative externalities to immigrants and natives, reduced peer effects for natives, and diminished quality of education for non-ELL learners, of which natives are a great share. Okay, Ben, it's important to discuss benefits to educating immigrants, both documented and undocumented, despite higher fiscal costs. What might these benefits be? There are plenty to discuss, Scott, uh, to start with the obviously. To start with the obvious, uh, many immigrants do proportionally pay taxes that go towards financing public education. Furthermore, for those who don't, there are plenty of natives as well who are similarly below the poverty line and also do not proportionally pay to finance the public education as well. Aside from these specifics, there is also a larger discussion of the positive externalities of having an educated populace. Okay, so what are these positive externalities to having an educated populace? Uh, some of the benefits are pretty unanimously, unanimously agreed upon. Uh, more education is correlated with less crime, both with youth and in general. Uh, furthermore, with greater education correlating with higher earnings, and higher earning or earnings correlated with longer life expectancies, higher education can lead to longer, healthier lives. Also, higher educated women tend to be able to have children later in life than non-educated women, which results in higher per capita spending on children from a greater portion of the population. So are there any fiscal benefits also to a more educated populace? Well, let's play a soundbite of Colgate's resident expert on immigration, Chad Sparber, to see what he has to say. It tends to focus more, that, that avenue of thought, it tends to be more on the college education. Bit, okay. Right, so if you think of public education, that includes... Public college. Right. Okay. Then, then sure. If you're just talking about public schools in general, um, you know, some of the arguments in, in favor of, say, educating illegal immigrants or something like that, um, that that are children and might actually be here uh, in the long, long term. Um, you know, it, the benefits are kind of what you would expect for, for any kind of worker, right? The more education that a person has, the more income that they will earn in the long run, um, the more that they contribute to cap tax. So Scott, like Professor Sparber said, higher educated individuals earn more and therefore contribute more in taxes to public financing than lower earning individuals. Therefore, if we're worried about reducing the high amount of immigrants that receive welfare benefits, education is a way of doing that. Since higher education is also correlated with higher lifetime, er lifetime earnings, more educated populace is beneficial to increasing the economic development of our country. With all this being said, uh, are there any changes we can make to the current system to reduce any of the costs that we're currently seeing? There indeed are. Some inherent economic efficiencies that exist within the education system can reduce the costs associated with educating immigrant children. It is important to discuss the diminishing marginal costs for programs that benefit natives and immigrants. Considering that 62% of English language learner students are U.S. nationals, there will be significantly reduced costs to expanding the English language learner program that already exists. The infrastructure, namely faculty and specific administrative support, is already in place that allows for the program to be run. In addition, some immigrants, mainly from specific Caribbean countries and other former British colonies, already speak English and therefore require no additional language training.
While it is counterintuitive, we can actually achieve greater efficiency and quality of education by expanding some of these programs that seem costly to natives. Okay, Scott, so we've talked about the costs and benefits of immigration and education at large, but it wouldn't be a discussion if we didn't address the public education in terms of the costs and benefits of illegal immigration specifically. What are the total financial contributions given and resources consumed by this subset? The data surrounding these statistics is often difficult to come by and often is heavily politicized. According to the Heritage Foundation, a conservative think tank, in 2010, the average unlawful immigrant household received around $24,721 in government benefits and services were paying out some $10,334 in taxes. This generated an average annual fiscal deficit of around $14,387 per immigrant household. While undocumented immigrants are not eligible to receive welfare benefit, as a result of the Supreme Court decision Plyler v. Doe, they are able to lawfully attend public schools and receive the benefits of doing so. This analysis is clearly, a cons is clearly conservative. On the other side of the debate, data has shown that contributions and resource consumption are much more equivalent. According to our anonymous expert, while undocumented immigrants do not pay certain taxes that are contingent on documentation, a great deal of tax revenue comes from indirect means. If individuals in this subset are renters, for example, they will pay local property tax via their landlords. Other mechanisms, such as sales taxes, also result in government revenue. Combined with being ineligible for other welfare services, the result is a much more equal net cost-benefit situation. So Ben, do you have an insight as to the positive or negative externalities specific to undocumented immigrants? Well, uh, just thinking off the top of my head here, I can think of a few. According to uh, a resource provided by Professor Sparber, the issue of brain gain or drain has to be considered. In other, word, the, in other words, the immigrant's home country benefits from its citizens being educated abroad and returning home or brain gain, while the destination country loses as it bears the cost of educating an individual who will not contribute to its economic development. With a large amount of undocumented immigrants in the U.S. being from Central or South America, migration costs are low for Central and South American immigrants, making return migration uh, for them a strong possibility. On the flip side of this, however, many undocumented immigrants who are educated in the U.S. since an early age tend to want to stay in the U.S., hence the need for the DREAMer Act. High-quality data is always an issue in these debates as it is exceedingly difficult to determine aggregate habits among a group of people who are incentivized to remain anonymous. I would be hesitant to jump to conclusions on the motives of migration incentives of these individuals, especially considering that the topic of brain drain or gain can be applied to documented immigrants as well. So, um, as a whole, it seems that the U.S. education system provides benefits both to immigrant families that stay in the United States as well as those that return to their home country. That is correct. However, a question of equality remains open. The structure of the education system, as explained previously, provides some potential pitfalls to the goals of providing quality education to all children. Decisions by natives as well as by immigrant families can result in the compounding costs onto certain communities. These effects can be partly mitigated, however, by the already existing infrastructure in these areas. That's right. And as we've discussed the fiscal costs to natives as a result of immigration and how that affects public education spending and quality and the positive and negative externalities resulting uh, from natives and immigrants being in the public school system, I think we can both agree, as you've mentioned, that changes need to and can be made to the education system at large to reduce some of the costs that currently exist. Join us next semester for our discussion of the failing social security program that exists and the inability of the current political system to fix it.